doers of your word today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're in our second week of our series, Re, as you see on the screen in front of you. Last week, we talked about the word remember, and we talked about why it's so important to God that we remember certain things, and we talked about how we can remember. How many of you wrote down things this week because you did not want to forget? I am the only one, a couple of you, okay? <laughs> I was reminded by my faithful, my faithful assistant that I need to write things down more, so I appreciate that this week, and uh, it's a good to be able to practice what you preach, and uh, I hope you are able to remember a little bit more this week as well. Also, uh, as, you're, as you're getting your notes out, I want you to jot this down. I want to give this to you so you know this. The prefix re, R-E, just a simple two-letter prefix, re, simply means back or again, back or again. And last week we talked about remembering, and we remember the past because it helps us in the present and the future. I heard a story this week that I thought was really good about uh, when, we, when we're talking about repentance this week, and this is a big church word, and we're going to unpack this word a little bit, but I heard this good story. It was about a church that was going through some, some changes in their buildings and grounds, and I thought that was fitting for us, and I thought, this is good. I'm going to share this with our people. Uh, so the church decided they were going to paint their building. And uh, the pastor was all excited. The head trustee kind of took charge of the thing, and he, he started to organize all the materials and get the volunteers to come and to, to paint the church. And they were going to do it on a, on a weekend when the pastor was gone on vacation. And they were going to kind of make sure it was all done and taken care of and looked nice so that when he came back, he was all ready to see, and it was going to just be this great surprise. And as they began the project and they started working it out, and the volunteers showed up, and they started painting the building, it started to look really great. And the, and the new life that comes with paint. It just was a great thing for this church. And so they started going and the, the day started getting longer and longer. And then all of a sudden the head trustee realized, you know what, we're going to run out of paint and this is not going to be good. But I want to save the church some money. So I'm going to go and I'm going to tell everybody that's got paint, we're going to add a little bit of water to the paint and we're going to thin this paint out and let it go and stretch. So they did just that, and they saved the church a couple hundred dollars on paint, and they finished the job, and the church looked great. Well, the Saturday before the pastor comes home, he comes home on vacation, and that Saturday night, there was an, a huge rainstorm, and the rain just destroyed this paint job on the church. So the pastor gets to church the next morning. He says to the head trustee, he said, boy, I'm sure you did a great job on this paint job, but it just looks awful. What happened? He said, well, I thought I would save the church some money and I wanted to make sure we had enough paint to last and we were running out. And so we thinned out the paint and finished the job. So the pastor got up that Sunday and he declared to the church, we are going to repaint and thin no more. Thank you. Thank you. I need John up here for a little uh, kick drum for me. Yeah, we're going to repaint and thin no more. Uh, some of you, you'll get that a little bit later. That'll be all right. So, you know, there, it's interesting to me in Scripture as I was studying this word repentance. There's 101 times in Scripture that the word repentance is used. But the word repentance, I think we, we have twisted it. We, we see these meanings of repentance or we get our own worldview that interprets our definition. And I think that we see this used 101 times in Scripture, but sometimes I wonder if today do we truly understand this word repentance. 
You see, we live in a society and in a culture today that just wants to avoid negativity at all costs. And you might say, no, that's not true. Don't you watch the news, Pastor? No, I don't, because I try to avoid negativity at all costs. But we try, to, we try to just be happy. We don't want sorrow. We don't want grief. We don't want all of this negativity in our life, and so we try to avoid it. And in our society, in our society today, we try to go to even the nth degree to make sure that we don't experience pain and sorrow in our world. And we'll say things when we're going through these moments of, of grief or of anguish or of uncertainty where we'll say things that help us to feel better or we think they'll help other people feel better and it's a positive spin on life and we say it sometimes and we don't even realize if it's true or not. And I think it's very, we need to be very careful what we say because if we say things about certain words or certain, certain understandings in our life that really aren't true, we need to be careful of what we're speaking to others. And let me give you an example. This week I was, I was perusing some things for this very purpose and I found these. These are actually actual social media posts that people said to try to make a positive spin on things. Get this one. This one I thought was just awesome. If you can dream it, you can be it. You know, it sounds great. It sounds positive. If you can dream something, you can be it. Well, you know what? I dream that I could be the shortstop for the Kansas City Royals. If I dream it, some years it could probably happen, but it's not going to happen. No matter how hard I dream about it, it's not going to happen. Or I could dream that I'm going to be the center for the Chicago Bulls. No, I'm five foot six. There's no way. That's just not true. It's not true. Well, here's another one that I read that I thought was very interesting, and especially from a faith standpoint. It says, you know what? If you're true to yourself, then God will follow you. Hmm. That is so messed up, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I don't need God following me. I want to follow him. And if I'm true to myself, I'm created in his image, I'm going to be following him. Whew. Lord, help us. Lord, help us in the things that we say, in the, in, the, in the things that we do when we hide behind that keyboard or, or that keyboard on our phone. Help us to be careful that we're speaking things that we truly believe, but are true so that those that we influence, it doesn't influence them in a negative way. You see, if we're going to understand this word of repentance and what does it mean 101 times in Scripture, if something's used that many times, we probably better take heed of what it means and what does it mean. So 101 times it's used, but if, in order for us to completely understand what this word means, I believe we need to unpack what it does not mean first what it does not mean first. Here's it is. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Repentance is not God wanting you to feel like a failure. God wanting you to feel like a failure. That's what repentance is not. Let me give you a, a biblical understanding of this. We, we look in the book of Acts, and we see Peter and, and the other apostles are, are, are starting out in their, on their, in their ministry after Jesus has been uh, crucified and resurrected, and now he's gone back, and now they're set out to do their thing. And we see Peter's first sermon is a dramatic sermon that, we, we read in the book of Acts that 3,000 people came to belief in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. 
What an incredible first sermon. I think my first sermon was about five minutes and 30 seconds. And I preached all eight that I wrote that week. You know, it was just not that powerful. But Peter preached this incredibly powerful sermon in his first sermon. And then his second sermon in the book of Acts, we read about it. He's going into the temple and he's on his way. And there's this beggar outside the temple gate. And he's begging for, for food. He's begging for anything. And Peter addresses him and he says, he says, brother, I don't have anything of value that you want, that you're begging for, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he's healed, and Peter sends him on his way with the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ's healing. What an incredible moment that is. And that's while Peter's going into the temple. So Peter's going into the temple and he's about to address the very people that crucified Jesus. And he's about to just let them have it. I can just see he, he's feeling this, this incredible high of God is on my side. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We just preached this incredible sermon and 3,000 people believed. And now I'm going to go deal with these people that crucified my Savior. And he walks in there and he says something to them that is so profound, that is so deep, but is so filled with compassion. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, hear these words. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Wow, that is so good. That is so good. I want us to, to see that a little bit more here. Go to the next slide, would you please? Let's see some key words here. Repent, he says. Repent. Turn around, change your tune, and turn to what? Turn to God. Turn to God. Why? Because when we do that, our sins will be wiped out, and there will be times of refreshing. I don't know about you, but when I have felt like a failure in my life, it has not been refreshing. It has not been enjoyable. And in fact, I want to do anything I can to stop that feeling I want these times of refreshing, and I think that when I, when I misunderstand what repentance is, to, to turn away from what I'm doing and to turn to God, I think that there's times when we get this misconception that when we turn to God, he's going to be right there to just give us what we deserve, and that's not the kind of God we serve. And Peter goes to these Pharisees, these religious leaders, and he says, repent and turn to God so that your sins can be wiped out and you may experience times of refreshing because of the Lord. What incredible feeling that is. It's not a feeling of failure, but really we need to understand repentance. Repentance is not God wanting you to feel like a failure. God does not want you to feel like a failure. So let's get that understood. Repentance is not God making us feel like a failure. So let's look at what repentance truly is. What is repentance? The first thing is this. Repentance is a changed mind. A changed mind. We're going to be all over Scripture in the New Testament this morning, some in the Old Testament as well. So you can jot down the Scripture references and go, go review these a little bit later. But the first thing we need to know about repentance is repentance is a change of mind. Let's look at one of Paul's letters to the church in Corinth. Paul is writing to this church. It's one of the first churches that he's planted. He's now writing them letters. They have been established. They have been doing church the best that they know how. But here's the thing. Sin has crept into the church. 
And, and a lifestyle has, has crept into the church that Paul is trying to address. And he's writing this letter so that they can understand what repentance really is. Let's take a look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Here's what Paul writes. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Let me stop there for just a minute. Many times when we have sorrow in the church because of being hurt or our feelings hurt in the church, we are hurt by one another and we take it out on each other. What Paul is saying, the good thing for you all in the church in Corinth is that you haven't let that creep in, but you've had to deal with some other stuff that you're not doing right. Okay, so I think it's important that we realize that our battle in the church is not against one another. It's against the principalities of the dark that don't want this to go well. Amen? My Bible says that Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will try to get in here when it gets your feelings hurt and you start holding a grudge against the person across the aisle. God help us that we don't have sorrow amongst one another. For you became sorrowful as God intended, so we're not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Isn't that good? Leaves no Regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. In other words, this morning, I want you to think about something in your life. Think about that time in your life, and I know you can remember it because we all remember those times where we mess up and where we've, where we've sinned and we've done things that are against God's will. But I want you to think about that thing in your life that, that maybe you've dealt with and it's over with, but I want you to recall it for just a minute because here's what we need to realize about a changed mind. How do we view our sin? How do we view our sin? Here's, here's, here's my example. If we view our sin from a worldly sorrow, we view our sin in the sense that, you know what? It's just annoying that I still got to deal with this over and over again. I don't know about you, but I've had to deal with something in my life since I was a teenager. It's a temptation. It's a struggle. It's something that I go through. And there's been times, I kid you not, where I'm just like, God, why don't you just take this away from me? I don't want to deal with this anymore. Can't you just, can't you just take it away and set me free from the temptation and the, the struggle to just continually live in this place? And I get so annoyed with God that he won't take it away from me like I think he should. That's worldly sorrow. That's sorrow that says, you know what, God, you're not doing your job. What's, what's the deal here? But then there comes a time in our life when our mind is changed. And we, we begin to see what our sin really does to the heart of God. And we begin to see our sin differently. And instead of being annoyed with God, we look at it and say, God, I am so sorry. Because I have now realized that what I am struggling with, what I am going through, it breaks your heart. It hurts you. It hurts you to the core. And I don't ever want to break your heart. So how do we view our sin? Do we get annoyed because we're dealing with it? Or do we realize, you know what, God? What I'm doing hurts you, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How do we view our sin? Do we view it through a changed 
mind. The Greek word for repentance is, is this, and you have it in your outline. I want you to jot this down. Metanoia. Metanoia is the Greek word, the original word here. And it simply means a changed mind that leads to changed behavior. This term metanoia is a military term. It's a military term, and, and this term literally means to do an about face. And I, I wasn't in the military, but I served in, in JROTC in high school, and I loved it. I, I loved every minute of it. And we would be marching, and we would do our things, and the, it would company halt, and you'd come to a halt, and they'd say about face, and I don't know if I can still do it or not. And then you would go and walk the other direction. It's simply a military term. In the Greek, the Roman soldiers, they'd be walking and they would do their about face and they would stop and then it was metanoia and they would do their about face and they would begin to walk to the next place. It's a changed mind that leads to changed behaviors. That term literally means repent. We sing a song sometimes in church uh, called Hosanna by Hillsong. And in this song, the lyrics of this song, one of the great lines that I love is says, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Give me that godly sorrow that leads me to repentance so that I can have times of refreshing in my life. Repentance is a changed mind. It's a changed mind. Number two, repentance is a changed direction. It's a changed direction. In the book of Ezekiel, we see the prophet, and he's dealing with the people of Israel, and they're, they're having this, this whole deal where they're starting to worship idols. And it, and it didn't just start because somebody created this idol, and then they began to pray to it and worship it. No, what happened is they began to build these idols in their heart first. And they began to build these things that became more important to God and more important in their relationship with God than God did. And so these, these relationships or these things in their life that they began to dwell on became idols in their heart. And God is telling the prophet Ezekiel, you need to go and deliver this message that this has got to stop. And we see in Ezekiel 14, 1 through 5, God speaking to this prophet about the idols that they've put up in their hearts against God, but it was leading them to take the next step and actually worship these idols instead of God. And in Ezekiel 14, verse 6, here's what we read. Therefore, God speaking to Ezekiel, he says, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Repent, turn from your idols, and renounce all your detestable practices. In other words, metanoia, turn around, go the other way. But here's the thing, he says, renounce all of the detestable practices. When we're walking a certain way in our life and we're think, doing things that are detestable to God, he says to us, we need to repent, metanoia, turn around, do an about face. And guess what? If we don't change our direction... And what I mean by that is we got to change our plane of direction. Because it's easy for us at times to go from one idol worship, turn around and go straight to another idol worship. Pastor, we don't worship idols here. You want to make a bet? Money? Greed? Power? Food? Sports? Family? 
You see what I'm saying? So it's easy for us to go this way. Oh, I'm spending too much time here. Metanoia, repent. But if I don't change my trajectory and I just go to the next idol, I haven't really had a change of mind that's changed my direction. And what I mean by that is we've got to change our direction to those things that are a higher plane, that are more purposeful. And what God is telling the people of Israel and he's telling us today is we got to be going and if we're going this way, we've got to repent, metanoia, do an about face and then I go to the things of God and I start looking to him and I start finding a place where I can rest in his presence and I can enjoy that salvation that comes and those times of refreshing that come. Why? Because he loves me so much. And I don't have to worship these things that I have control of. Instead, I can focus my attention and my gaze upon him. And I can say, God, I'm all into you. I want to I renounce these detestable acts. And I don't want to just go to another one. I want to go towards you. Amen? God, help us to repent, to turn away, to change our mind, and to change our direction, to be focused on what you want us to be focused on. Look at the word itself, repent. R-E, re, back, again, pent, from the word penthouse, higher, things that are greater. Repent, I'm turning back to a higher way of living. Boy, that's good. God, help us when we repent to not turn around and go into the same motions that we're doing before. But change our mind to see the things of God and begin to follow after the things of God. Change our direction. I'm convinced that when we do this, our attitude of repentance changes our mind, and it changes a divinely changed mind will always result in a changed direction. A divinely changed mind will always result in a changed direction. It's very simple. We can change our mind and we can do something in our own power and our own strength. I've done it all the time. I'm sure you do too. I'll be holding the remote. And I'll change it from one show to the next show, and nothing's really changed in content except the actors. You know what I'm talking about. And I've got my kids sitting there, and it's like, no, I can't watch this. And I go over to the next show, and it's the same thing. That's not a divinely changed mind. That's a human mind. Oh, I stopped watching it. Well, good for you. You want a cookie? But a divinely changed mind changes our direction for the things of God. When we repent and turn around, it changes our mind, which results in a change of direction. Well, how can I do that, Pastor? How can I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I want you to think about, maybe there's something in your life right now. What's one thing that you can have a divinely changed mind about in your life? Maybe, maybe you struggle like I have in the past, like I still struggle at times, where you struggle with the things that you put into your mind. And, and especially you struggle when you have those times where you're alone and you have those times when the family's gone to bed and you're watching that tube and you're just looking at things that are not healthy for your mind and it's like, why do I do that? Well, maybe what you could do to change your mind and change your direction, cut the TV service. That's extreme. Yeah, so is following God. Maybe that's not your struggle. I praise God for that. But maybe there's something else in your life. Maybe you have something that's going on in your life right now, and it's an unknown sin that nobody in this place knows about, nobody in the world knows about, but you know about it, and guess what? He knows about it. Change mind results in a changed direction. What do I need to do? I'd say you need to repent immediately. 
Because as it's been so clear to us in this week in our community, you don't know when your time's up. I'm not trying to be insensitive to this. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen when you walk out these doors. You don't know, but I can tell you this. You can know what your eternity will hold. You can have certainty of that today. Why? If you've got something that you're hiding, that you're struggling with, that you don't even want to tell anybody, then I say you do an about face and say, God, I'm sorry, and I want to focus on the things of you today, and I want to walk with you every single day. Repent. Turn around. Change your mind that results in a change of direction. A divinely changed mind will always result in a changed direction. John writes in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, he says, But I have this against you, he's writing to the churches, that you have left your first love. He says, therefore, remember, we just talked about that last week, remember what God has done for you. You left your first love because you've forgotten what God has done for you. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen asleep and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Repentance is a changed mind that leads to a changed direction. And finally, we see that repentance restores relationships. Repentance restores relationships. There's a story in the Bible that if you've been in church any length of time, you've probably heard it. It's a very famous story that we talk about a lot. And it's, called, it's the story of the prodigal son. And you see in your notes there, I've given you the reference for it, Luke 15. But in this story, let me just kind of give you a summary. It's not just some really cool story that we talk about in church. It's not just some really cool Bible story. You know what? It's true. It's true of all of us. And we all have a place in this story. And, and no matter where you're at in life, and I, and I encourage you to answer this question, what stage of the story are you in right now? See, in this story, the, the prodigal son, he, he's not a prodigal at first, but he comes to his dad and he says, Dad... Um, I think you need to give me all of my inheritance right now because I'm, I'm an adult and I want to go and I want to live the way I want to live and I can't do that under your rule and your reign. So would you give me your, my inheritance now and I'm going to go and he goes and the father gives it to him and he gives it to him and he sends him off and, and the son goes and, and as you read the story, he squanders this wealth on things that are ungodly completely ungodly. He, he begins to throw parties and he begins to do things he shouldn't do. And then one day he finds himself awakened after a night of all of that's gone on in the slop of pigs. And he thinks to himself, you know what? My, my father's hired servants don't live this way. I realize that I've sinned against heaven and against my father. I'm going to go back and I'm going to apologize. I'm going to repent. So we pick up the story. Go on back to that first slide here. Well, let's read where this comes in to play. This is what it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses. What does that mean? That means he changed his mind. He had a change of mind. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went. What is that? He just had a change of direction. But while he was still a long way off, I love this part. His father saw him. That tells me if we can 
put it in everyday terms that we deal with, every day that father would go out to that mailbox at the end of the drive and he'd look and he'd look. Man, is he coming home today? So that day as the father goes out, the Bible said while the son was still a long way off, the father was, saw him and was filled com- with compassion for him. And it says that he waited there for him for four hours to get there. No. He ran to him. Because why? Because the son had a change of mind that resulted in a change of direction. And now the father who's been waiting, who the father had been wronged, had been taken advantage of, had been hurt, the father is looking at him and says, you know what? I want to restore this relationship. And he runs to his son. He throws his arms around him and he kisses him. (laughs) The son stops his father and says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father stops him. He says to his servants, go, get a robe to put on my boy. Give him a ring ring for his finger so he can have what he needs. And guess what? Go kill the fattened calf. We're going to party. Why? Because that lost boy has come home. He's had a change of mind to realize that I love him, that I care about him. He's changed his direction and he's come back. And it says this, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Repentance leads to restored relationships. And I don't know about you, sometimes restored relationships, they get kind of messy and sticky you got to work through some of that stuff. So they began to celebrate. You can't have a party if you're kind of at odds. It doesn't work. They celebrated because repentance restored the relationship. You see, you and I, we're like the sun. We've been there where we feel entitled. Give me what I want. Give it to me. I'm number one. I'm the most important. I deserve this. I need this. You owe me this. And we serve a father who gives unconditionally. He loves you no matter what. But his heart breaks when he's separated from you. But he continues to give and give and give. When we repent, Paul writes to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 2. He says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? I don't know where you're at today, but you may be here listening to a message like this and saying, You know what, Pastor? I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve his love. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how how badly I've messed up. You don't know how much I've broken his heart. And I want to say to you, his kindness for you should lead you to repent and turn back to him. He's not waiting there for you to turn around and he's standing there waiting at the mailbox with his club in his hand ready to beat you up. 
He's not ready for that. He's waiting there for you with open arms to say, I love you so much. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you think you're worth, what you think you're not worth. I love you. I created you. You are mine and you've come home. God, help us. His kindness leads us to repentance. We serve a father who has sorrow when our sins separate us from him. But godly sorrow brings us to repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. I'm here to tell you that if you repent and you turn to him and you start walking his way, you will have no regrets. Well, pastor, what if I die and we're wrong about this? Really? You're going to experience all the blessings in life and God be with you every step of the way. And if we happen to be wrong about this whole repentance thing, you've still lived a good life and nothing bad really has, has, it's all been taken care of because we believe that God is a God who, really? Did you miss something if you lived a good life when you died and we're wrong? But what if we get to the end of your life and you didn't repent? And we weren't wrong. This heaven is real. This hell is real. God is real. The enemy is real. And you didn't make that choice. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And that's people missing it. So I stand before you today as your pastor, as your shepherd today to say, This repentance thing, it's a big deal. It matters. And repentance is not God wanting you to feel like you failed and you've messed up. But what repentance is, is you realize, hey, wait a second, I'm not living right. I need to do something about it. And I come to that point of realization and I do about face. And I don't turn to same, same old sin. I'm saying, God, I need your help every single day of my life. And when you do that, it restores a relationship with God that you were created for. When you're able to say, God, I am sorry for the way I've lived. I'm sorry that I've lived for self, that I've been greedy, that I've been entitled. I need your forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins so that you can walk in obedience with him. So how do you view your sin? Are you annoyed that you still deal with it? Or does it break your heart because it breaks his heart? What sin do you need to repent of today? What have you been hanging on to that is not God-pleasing? Which relationship do you hope to restore as a result of your repentance. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. We're going to sing a song and we're going to have an open time of, of invitation because this is the most important thing we're going to do today. This is it. I don't, I don't know what else is going on in your world today. I know that there's a lot happening. It's a busy day. But this right now, can you just focus for five more minutes? This is the most important part of the day right here. We're going to sing a song, and I want to invite you. If there's something in your life that you just need to turn over to God, 
You say, God, I'm, I'm done. I'm done feeling like a failure. I'm done feeling like I'm not good enough. I'm done living for self, and I need your refreshing moments in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your kindness. I need your love. Today's your day. Because he's waiting, not with a club to beat you up, but he's waiting with open arms to say, welcome home, my child. I love you. I love you. I'm going to ask you to stand. Just stand with us. We're going to sing this first verse and chorus, and if you want to come and pray, I want to invite you to come and pray and give it to God. Let's sing together. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed. sing that next verse and that's going to be it but if you need to come now's your chance just as we're singing I come I come right now I have a changed mind and I want to change my direction and I want a relationship that's restored this is your chance would you come let's sing again just as I am Father God, we, uh, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you today for your forgiveness. That when your grace reaches out and touches us before we even realize we need it, you draw us to yourself and you tell us to come Follow me.
Come. Come right now. Follow me. And Lord, when we do that and we're faithful and we're obedient, we, we step out and we come. You are so faithful to receive us with open arms. And that restored relationship, God, is so beautiful. It's what we were intended and what we were created for. And God, I thank you for that today. I thank you for those that have come, Lord. I thank you for those that are, that are dealing with this issue right where they stand. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come fresh right now. That you would forgive. That you would help us as we repent and we change our mind and change our direction. That you would walk with us every step of the way. And God, as we do it, tomorrow is going to be another day. If you give us a tomorrow, I pray, Lord, that as we get to there, you'd remind us that you're still with us. And because we've given our life to you, the enemy doesn't like that. And there's going to be a battle and it's going to be hard. But God, you are so faithful that you meet us right in that battle. And you help us to have victory. And God, we give you glory for that today. Thank you for forgiveness today. Thank you for love. Thank you for your grace. Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Would you continue an attitude of prayer? I'm going to ask those that have prepared to come and to help with communion to come.